Thank you for downloading a Jigsaw Guide to Life with Alec McClellan. Hi, I'm Tim Donnelly. Welcome to the program. We're so glad you could join us today. When it comes to questions about origins, should science and science teachers entertain the question of creation? Alec has a passion for pursuing truth, practicing tolerance, and promoting critical thinking. An author and a speaker, you can find out more about Alec and his resources at www.alexmcclellan.com. Many people see creation as an empty and outdated religious dogma. For them, it's tolerated in the community of faith, but it doesn't deserve a place at the table when you're talking about real issues in the real world. On today's program, Alec explodes this myth and levels the playing field, offering five steps toward bringing creation back into the conversation. You can talk about creation in church, in Christian schools, in religious studies, but you run into resistance when you dare to step into the domain of science, particularly the science classroom. This whole issue hit the headlines when I was still living in the UK. The Director of Education for the UK's National Science Academy suggested science teachers be encouraged to engage students on the question of creation. What sounded like good teaching practice provoked the anger of the academy to the point the director was asked to resign from his position at the Royal Society. Such a strong reaction got the media's attention. I was invited by a talk radio programme to go down to London and to debate the Director of Education for the British Humanist Society on the question of teaching creation in UK schools. My opponent argued that creation has got no place in the science classroom, it just belongs in the domain of religious studies. My position when it comes to the question of origins is that often science reaches beyond science into the realm of philosophy, and whenever it does, teachers ought to engage students on the question of creation. The Humanist Society in Scotland invited me to join a panel for another public debate on the same question. Once again, the humanists resisted any idea that you can talk about creation in the science classroom. Once again, I highlighted that no science classroom is philosophically neutral. To say in the beginning there was nothing deserves to be countered with a conversation about creation. Finally, I'd been invited to participate in a national television programme to debate the same subject until the night before. The night before I received a call informing I was no longer needed. So I was quite disappointed, particularly when I watched the programme and saw some of the humanists that I had debated, they made the cut and they were able to make their case. Well, overall, what happened in this situation could happen in a number of countries around the world, certainly in America where we see the same sentiment when it comes to the question of origins, science and science teachers should not entertain the question of creation. It seems the culture has closed the door on this subject, but I'd like to suggest five reasons why Christians ought to keep knocking. Well, when it comes to the question of origins, the first point is this. We need to balance the philosophical equation. We need to balance the philosophical equation. This is not a battle between science and religion. This is about balancing the philosophical equation. There's a popular myth that science and the science classroom 
open the door to nothing but science. Well, the fact is, the science classroom is not philosophically neutral. No classroom is. And every curriculum is wedded to a world view. <laughs> the irony is that many who are trying to keep creation out of the science classroom, arguing it's unscientific, seem blinded to the fact that their own conclusions about the origin of the universe are unscientific. What do I mean? Well, listen to this. In the beginning, there was nothing. In the beginning, there was nothing. Scientists don't know that in the beginning there was nothing. Science cannot prove in the beginning there was nothing. This is what's called a philosophical presupposition. It's something that you assume to be true before you even start to do science. So why would this statement be permitted in the science classroom when it's got nothing to do with science? Well, it fits comfortably within a godless worldview. Science has not disproved the existence of God, but the existence of God has been rejected by some scientists. Most of the time, scientists stay in the scientific lane. You can get a science textbook and turn over page after page, and there's not a philosophical problem. But there are times scientists make statements that are not drawn from scientific conclusions. And the question of origins is one of the best examples. Science strongly suggests the universe started to exist. Therefore, the universe needs a cause. So how do scientists answer the question of origins? Many say, in the beginning, there was nothing. In the beginning, there was nothing. As I've already said, this is not a scientific conclusion. And whenever this statement is made in a scientific context... We need to balance the philosophical equation. Creation ought to be part of the conversation. Consider this. Alternately, in the beginning, there was something, maybe even someone. When it comes to the question of origins, first, balance the philosophical equation. Two, give students the information. Give students the information. When it comes to the question of origins, historically, creation was part of the conversation. Listen to philosopher Alvin Plantinga. He said it was Christian Europe that fostered, promoted and nourished modern science. It arose nowhere else. All of the great names of early Western science, Copernicus, Galileo, Newton, Boyle and many others, all were serious believers in God. Many of the early giants of science, they asked the question about origins and the existence of a creator was the most reasonable answer. Until the 19th century, where the scientific momentum shifted to redefine what it means to do science, assuming something called methodological naturalism. In the US, listen to what the executive director of the National Center for Science Education once said, summing up the situation. Science neither denies or opposes the supernatural but ignores the supernatural for methodological reasons. Methodological naturalism does not deny the existence of a creator, but it chooses to limit the scientific field of inquiry to the realm of natural explanations. Well, as Plantinga reminded us, the early giants of science did not hold to methodological naturalism. It's unnecessary, but when science is defined in this way, 
any other way of doing science finds it's now ruled out as unscientific by definition. They've changed the rules of the game. And this commitment to methodological naturalism is so strong that nothing outside the physical universe can even be considered as an explanation for anything, even if it means you end up with a universe that came into existence from nothing. Well, that conclusion has got nothing to do with science and everything to do with the worldview of some scientists. When it comes to the question of origins, first point is we need to balance the philosophical equation. Two, give the students the information. The third point, encourage the conversation. Encourage the conversation. Students asking questions is generally a good thing. Consider this. A science teacher says, in the beginning, there was nothing. And then the universe came into existence. And a student raises their hand and says, well, how do you get something from nothing? Let me give you two options. Option one, the teacher qualifies that nothing doesn't really mean nothing. It means something. And whatever that nothing is, well, science and scientists are still trying to figure it out. Alternately, if nothing really means nothing, since a universe can't come into existence literally from nothing, some scientists believe in some kind of creator. Historically, this was the dominant position where there was some kind of supernatural power above and beyond the universe that brought the universe into existence. Is that really so bad? Is that really so terrible? Is that better than option two, where the student raises their hand and says, how do you get something from nothing? And the teacher asks the student to put their hand back down, making it clear this question has got no place in the science classroom. It belongs only in religious studies adding that nothing doesn't really mean nothing, it means something, whatever nothing is. Science and scientists are still trying to figure it out. Really? Is option two better than option one? Is option one really so bad? Think of all the questions that come up in a science classroom. Questions are generally a good thing. They indicate the teacher's making a connection. The students are starting to think for themselves. Good teachers don't automatically shut down a conversation. When it comes to the question of origins, first, balance the philosophical equation. Two, give students the information. Three, encourage the conversation. And fourth, make an inference to the best explanation. Science ought to make an inference to the best explanation, following the evidence wherever it leads. Consider again the question of origins. In the beginning, there was nothing. The universe came into existence. Science tells us something does not come from nothing. If you have nothing, you will have no thing, unless someone gives you something. So why would so many consider this to be an inference to the best explanation? Well, consider the alternative. If the universe started to exist, if space and time and matter started to exist, something outside of all this must be responsible for it. Something must be responsible to bring the universe into existence, and that something must be spaceless, timeless, immaterial, all-powerful. Well, do you start to get the picture? As Stephen Hawking said, some people don't like the idea that time had a beginning, probably because it smacks of divine intervention. Cambridge theoretical physicist John Polkinghorne believed God was the cause. He is the creator. And this is an inference to the best explanation. Listen to what he said. The theistic conclusion is not logically coercive, but it can claim serious consideration as an intellectually satisfying understanding of what would otherwise be unintelligible good fortune. 
In a debate on teaching creation in schools, I asked an opponent, how do you get something from nothing? He accused me of ignorance. If I knew anything about science, I would know that nothing's not really nothing. It's things emerging in and out of existence. How can you prove scientifically something is out of existence? If nothing is really nothing, why do you keep calling it something? It's hard to believe that these are generally accepted as the best scientific arguments about the origin of the universe. When it comes to the question of origins, first balance the philosophical equation. Second, give students the information. Three, encourage the conversation. Four, make an inference to the best explanation. And fifth and finally, remember, truth can take care of itself. The classroom is a great place to talk about competing worldviews, philosophies, ideologies, and truth can take care of itself. The idea that opening the door to creation will somehow plunge science back into the dark ages ignores the fact that many schools across the country around the world talk about creation in the science classroom. Many schools teach from a Christian worldview. They talk openly about origins and theories, both natural and supernatural. And these same schools graduate countless students, many who go on to demonstrate academic excellence in the sciences at top universities around the world. For many people, today and historically, belief in creation started with science. The telescope reveals cosmos, not chaos. The microscope shows order, complexity, even information. When it comes to the question of origins, we ought to encourage science and science teachers to entertain the question of creation. Five ways we can move forward. One, balance the philosophical equation. Two, give students the information. Three, encourage the conversation. Four, make an inference to the best explanation. And fifth and finally, know that truth can take care of itself. Thank you for joining us. You can find out more about Alec and his resources at alexmcclellan.com. That's www.alexmcclellan.com. I'm Tim Donnelly, and thanks for listening to A Jigsaw Guide to Life with Alec McClellan.